Have you ever had a this changes everything moment in your life? Like when you think back to your life, when you think about all the moments that, that have existed so far, have you had one moment you can look back to and you can be like, at that moment, you may have made a statement such as this, this changes everything. For some of you, it happened in a relationship. It happened that very moment where the DTR had to happen. One brave soul said three words that probably changed everything. They said the words, I love you. And it changed everything, maybe for your own relationship, whether that was for the good, or maybe you're like, whoa, brother, I was not there yet. And it changed everything. And you knew how to, how to dump them right then, right? Maybe for others of you, that this changed everything moment happened when you finally figured out what you wanted to study, or, or where you wanted to work, what career path you wanted to go, what job you got. You finally realized that the passion inside of you aligned with the gifts that you had from God. They all aligned, and you had a this changes everything moment. For some of you, it happened when you were in a, probably your darkest times. You realized that you needed to get help, that there was an addiction that had a hold on you, that there was this darkness that, that you kept running back to, and you, you came to the moment of realization that I don't want to be a part of that anymore, and something happened, and it was one of those moments that changed everything. Or in that same aspect, it was a time where you took your mental health very seriously, and you realized, hey, I'm not okay and the moment that changed everything is when you said that to somebody closest to you. For others of you, uh, this changes everything moment happened when you made a decision in your life to surround yourself with friends and family that really had your best interests in mind. Because all of your life, you've been surrounding yourself with different uh, types of people that you, you knew were kind of taking you down the wrong road. And you came to the point where you're like, man, the more time I spend with them, the more time I look like them, I can't be like that. I don't want to be like that. And so you had a moment where it changed everything. And there's probably some of you. You came to the moment. Usually this happens in your late 20s, early 30s, where you realize, I have to eat better. I have to work out more, I have to try. And you came to that realization, you said, man, if I can just make this one little adjustment, if I can do this one little extra thing, if I can go to the gym a couple days a week, it would change everything. I'm praying, and our team here at, at Collective, we're praying that, that the Collective, that Tuesday nights could be a part of some of this story, your story. That when you get down uh, further in your adult life, there will be a moment that happens, whether it happened last year, two years ago, it happens tonight, whether it happens a couple weeks or later this year, there comes a moment that you make a decision that draws closer to Jesus and it changes everything. That's my prayer, is that when we gather, we grow closer to him and we grow closer to one another. We're in a new semester, obviously, and there's a ton of energy here. 
ton of energy. When, when you guys are walking through the doors, I'm just praising God that one person showed up. I'm praising God that, that we have an opportunity to meet together. I have an opportunity to look around this auditorium and see so many different and also new faces. But we're in this new series called This Changes Everything. And you may be asking, Corey, what in the world changes everything? And I, listen, there's no more blunt way to say this. Here's what we're about at Collective. What changes everything? The person and the works of Jesus Christ is the thing that changes everything. Everything about him, when he gets down into our lives, it changes everything. That's what I, if you don't take away anything else from tonight, take this simple truth that Jesus changes everything. You see, I've been following Jesus half of my life now, which is, I actually didn't put that together until about two days ago that I spent exactly half of my, uh, my life following Jesus. I made a decision late in my, my teen years, and here we are. Does that mean I'm, uh, I have it figured out and I'm perfect? Absolutely not. I have a long ways to go. But it's kind of crazy to think that I've been following Jesus half my life at this age. But one of the things that uh, early on in my, my later high school years, there was something missing. And I don't know if I can explain it to you, but I bet for some of you, I'm going to try, and you may be there at this exact moment. There was something missing in my life. I was alive, but I felt dead inside. It was weird. I always felt like, man, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to fill what, whatever this hole inside of my heart is with, with different relationships or different accomplishments or I'm trying to stay busy, I'm trying to stay more involved, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do more. But nothing was working to fill this, this hole that was inside. And if I had to guess, there's at least one person. You walked in this room, and you feel that exact same thing right now. You feel like there's just something missing, you don't know why, you can't figure it out. You feel dead inside. But my prayer is that tonight, that empty hole that is inside of you, that, that feeling of death would be replaced with life. And that's what Jesus does. He changes everything. Because one night in February, I was in a place very similar to this, listening to a guy very similar to me lay out a very simple gospel message about how Jesus changes everything. How this Jesus was a man who came to this earth fully God and fully man, and he lived a, a perfect life. But more than that, he had such a deep and passionate love, not just for the world, which he does, but for you as individuals, as me as an individual. This is something that was mind-blowing to me at the time. But I heard that simple message that changed everything. You see, Jesus he is different than the world has ever seen and, and, and different than the world has ever will see. He, he taught differently. He, he loved differently. And he had such a directed mission. What is that mission? His mission was me. His mission was you. Fill in your name. You are his mission. Here's what it says in Luke Chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to, what's it say? Seek, find, and save the lost. 
The Son of Man is Jesus. That was his mission. You and me. He wanted to find you. He wanted to uh, save you. He is pursuing you. And if I had to guess, some of you came in this room again tonight feeling lost. Maybe you feel a a little broken. Maybe you feel a little confused. But you just need to hear the simple truth of this. He is ready, he's here, and he wants to find you. He wants to find you. He wants to help put you back together. And he wants to give you a purpose. How does he do that? Well, he he gives us a purpose in the very beginning when he saves you. He saves the lost. And why is that important? Some of you may be like, I don't feel lost I know what I'm doing. Maybe some of you are like, I feel really comfortable with the way my life is going right now. I don't seem lost, but I need you to know this. There is simple truth. There is sin in this world. It happened in the very beginning with Adam and Eve with the fall. All right, when, when sin came into the world, there was a separation between you, me, and God. There was a giant gap. God is a holy God. And he can't be around the imperfections of sin. And so there was a problem and it needed, it needed fix. It needed a solution. And let me tell you very simply, Jesus was that solution. Why? Because he lived a perfect life. He's fully God, fully man. Came to this earth. Was led to the cross. This is a moment that, that changes everything. It was a moment where Jesus went from his perfect eternal life to death on the cross. He paid a payment. He paid a debt that you and I could never pay. In Luke chapter 23, it records the last moments of Jesus' life on the cross. And I think it's important just to imagine this. A God who's done nothing wrong, a man who's done nothing wrong, is all of a sudden hanging on a cross, paying the debt that, that we owe. And it's the very last moments of his life. Here's what it says. By the time it was about noon and... You can imagine darkness just fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. For three hours, just darkness. The light from the sun was gone. And suddenly the, the curtain in the sanctuary, the temple, was torn down the middle. And Jesus shouted these words with his hands stretched wide. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Collected, this is one of those, this changes everything moments. Where Jesus went from life and to death. And why do we start out like that? Why do, we, why do we start maybe a little more grim on the opening kickoff weekend at Collective? Because I need you to understand what this moment is all about. This moment we're about to share in is a moment that we participate in every single week as believers. We call it communion. It's a time where we, we celebrate that very moment that changed everything. That, that very moment where Jesus went from life to death. And let me, let me break it down to you this way. In Scripture, it lays out why we do this moment as believers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says this, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus, he, he took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. He broke into pieces and he said, This is my body which is given for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. Jesus knew what was coming. He's preparing his disciples. He's preparing the followers that that will call on his name to, to remember him, to take this bread and remember him. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance as me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread, you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. But he gives a very stern warning, and I don't want to miss this collective. We don't take this moment lightly. Verse 27, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or you drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. This moment, collective, is important. And that's why we do it every single week. So we're going to have a moment to do just that. We're going to have a moment to examine our hearts, to take the bread, to remember the body that was sacrificed for us, the moment that changed everything, the moment where he went from life to death, where he was the perfect sacrifice, a sacrifice and paying a debt that we could never pay, a, a moment where he shed his blood for you and for me to cover the remission of our sins. So I want you to take these moments. If you didn't grab communion when you came in, there is communion up front and right on the back. And I want to give you just a moment just to sit down and to to have conversation with the Lord. And then we're going to sing another song before we go any further. So let's move to that moment right now. thing I want us to discover tonight is this, that the resurrection changes everything. We just sang about it. You, you heard the lyrics. You know where this is going. The resurrection changes everything. What I'm really looking forward about in this series, and you're going to discover over the next four weeks on This Changes Everything, is we're going to be going through the book of James. And one of the most fascinating things about the book of James is, one, the author, James, He is the brother of Jesus. And it wasn't until this moment, it wasn't until this moment where Jesus went from from death to life that his brother became a believer in Jesus and who he said he was. And you're going to hear a little bit more about that next week from Josh. And I don't want to go too deep into that. But one of the things I want to tell you is if you want to have a quiet time, if you're like, man, Corey, I'm trying to get closer to Jesus. I'm trying to open up the Bible. I don't know where to start. Listen, a great starting point for this week is just to read James 1 over and over and over again to prepare for next week's message. Because I believe that would also change everything for you. You know, there have been a lot of good people that have come into this world. Some have left this world. There's some good people still today. Very few, but there are some. That actually make a huge difference. There have been people that have come and gone who have started major world religions and they say, hey, I know the way or there's other ways besides just this way to get to heaven, to get eternal life and you can do this or that. But there's one difference between all of those people who are good or moral or had their ideas or philosophies. 
there's one difference between them and Jesus. Is they're still dead. They're still in a grave. But we serve and we learn and we have a relationship with a God who is a resurrective king who has eternal power, who holds the keys to the grave. And his power started even before he went from life to death. It actually started when he was still living. I want to tell you a story. Some of you may be familiar with it, but I think it's going to help illustrate this point a little bit more. Because Jesus has power over the grave, and it was illustrated with, with a, a relationship he had. A, a friend of his was named Lazarus, and Lazarus was sick. And a lot of this, this story comes out of John chapter 11, if you want to read the account later. But I'm just going to kind of give you the spark notes version of it uh, just real quick. Lazarus was sick and he was about to die. Jesus was far away. And uh, Mary and Martha was Lazarus' sisters. And they called for Jesus because they knew Jesus could do whatever Jesus could do because they believed in his power. So they sent for Jesus to come back and to heal Lazarus. Jesus took his time. He had a plan. He had a mission. And eventually Lazarus dies. His friend dies. And of course, right away, Mary and Martha, they're heartbroken. One, I'm sure they were wrestling with, why did Jesus, our friend who, who knew and loved Lazarus, not come and save him? Uh, they were sad because they lost a loved one. If you've been there, I'm sure you have. You've experienced the grief, the loss, and the sadness that comes with that. They're heartbroken. But Jesus is hanging out with the disciples, and he said, okay, now's the time to go back. And he starts making, he says, we're going to go wake up our friend. And they thought Lazarus, his disciples thought Lazarus was sleeping, but they didn't know he was indeed dead. Jesus gets close and records the first interaction between Martha, one of the sisters, and Jesus. She makes her way out to Jesus. And almost, I don't know if it was one of those, like, I can just kind of picture the way she did it just based on like how my mom talked to me or sometimes how my wife talks to me. She's just like, if you would have been, like I don't know how she would have done that with her finger, but I just imagine her finger waving it. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But here's the incredible power that Jesus shares with us, that he shared with Martha in John chapter 11 verse 25. He says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And he asked this question, do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this, Martha? Hold on to that question. That's going to come back in just a little bit. Do you believe this, Martha? Eventually, Jesus calls for Mary. Mary. Mary stayed back, and I think she was just super upset. She didn't want to go out at first, but eventually she comes closer to Jesus, and, and she also has that same emotion, that same accusatory type thing, if you would have been here. But they share a moment. Jesus sees Mary. He sees Martha. He sees the people who are deeply troubled by this loss. And then comes one of the sweetest moments, I, one of the sweetest moments that I see in Scripture, where Jesus identifies with them. Because he's fully God, but listen, he's fully man and he identifies with us. And, and if all else, you came here tonight, you're like, I really wanted to work on memorizing Scripture. I'm going to give you a Scripture you can all walk away with. In John chapter 11, verse 35, you ready for it? Jesus 
wept. Jesus wept. He identified with him. But then he's like, take me to the grave. Take me to it. And they get to the grave, and this is where this this powerful moment comes out. And Jesus shouts with authority, Lazarus, come out. I mean, I don't even know how he would have said I don't know what the authority sounded like, but I can just imagine the power of his voice of saying, Lazarus, come out. He's been in the grave. He's been in this tomb for days. People are like, don't do that. We don't want to smell that. Like, do you know what a dead body has been robbed for a couple days smells like? Don't do But he says it. And it shows his power. And verse 44 records this, this moment. It says, the dead man, Lazarus, the dead man, came out. His hands, his feet bound in grave cloths, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap them. And let him go. Lazarus experienced a moment where he went from, from life to death. But now in front of the followers, the disciples, Mary and Martha, you see Lazarus go from death to life. Why? And how? Because Jesus has the authority. He has the power There is no grave that has more power than Jesus because the resurrection changes everything. And if Jesus can do this with Lazarus, a friend, let me just spoil the story. We sang about it. Jesus went into the tomb after he was taken down from the cross. He spent three days in there, and that grave could not hold him. Our God is not dead. He is very much alive. He has resurrective power over your life and over my life. And if he can do that with Lazarus, if he can do that with him, listen, he can do it with you. You may feel dead inside. You may feel broken inside. But he gives you life. Jesus changes everything. The resurrection changes everything everything. The resurrection brings hope. And I I don't know about you, I could use hope. I could use a reminder of this hope. The resurrection brings a future. It brings uh, this, this mind of thinking, this is not just the life I'm living. There is so much more in store for those who believe in Jesus. There is an eternity at stake. There is an eternity to look forward to. But it's found And Jesus, why do I know that? John chapter 5, verse 24 says this, I tell you the truth. Jesus is saying, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. No, whoa, whoa, I don't know if Jesus knows me. I don't know if Jesus knows what I was just up to last night. I don't know if Jesus knows what I did over the weekend. Listen, if you are in Christ, you will never be condemned for your sins because you have already passed from death to life. If you believe in Jesus, collective, that is the greatest news you could ever hear. Then that could be your story tonight. That could be the exact reason you came into this room. To hear that you are forgiven. 
that even though all of our destinies is when we're going to all go from life to death, it's going to happen. All of us. But today, I'm telling you, you have access to go from death to life, even right now. So I want to go back to that statement that Jesus was having with, with Martha. And I want to flip the words a little bit. In verse 11, or verse 25, it says, again, Jesus is the resurrection of life. Anyone who believes in him will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in Jesus and believes in him will never die. But instead of me saying the rest of the verse was, do you believe in this, Martha? Let me say this. Do you believe that collective? Do you believe that collective? That he has the power over death. He gives you life. If you get that, if you believe that, if you accept that, it changes everything. And there is no better start to this semester, there's no better start than uh, for collective to begin with than a group of young adults who understand the simple truth of Jesus and the gospel. That Jesus changes everything. That the resurrection changes everything. And so for, for some of you out there, you've never, ever started a, a, an intimate personal relationship with Jesus. And let me make this very clear. I'm not talking about you starting uh, to attend Collective Weekly. I'm not talking about you becoming a part of this church or another church. I'm talking about you have never started uh, walking and surrendering your life to Jesus, letting him be the Lord and Savior of your life. You've never uh, been obedient to the area of baptism. You've never gotten the waters of baptism. you never identified with his death, and you have come up with new life. You've never made that decision. Listen, when you do that, it changes everything. I'm going to invite you. In just a little bit, we're going to sing two more songs, and there's going to be someone on, on both sides that would love to just help you figure out what that decision is for you. That is the very best start. That is the very best decision you could possibly make. And I promise you, it changes everything. It changes your eternal life when you believe Jesus is who he says he is. But for the rest of us in here, we, there's a lot of you that may have a relationship with Jesus already. You've been following him. You've been baptized already. What does this mean for you? Can we just be honest? Life's hard. We get focused on other things. We get focused on, on a, a school sport. We get focused on our studies. We get focused on a career. We get focused on a relationship. We get focused on a pandemic. We get focused on all these things that take the focus off the very thing that changed everything, and his name is Jesus. I feel like the very best way to start this year, the very best way to start collective this week is for us as believers just to come up humbly to get on our knees and say, Lord, all that I am, it's yours. You have changed my eternity. You have changed everything in my life. And I've been distracted. I have been uh, doing the things that I know I shouldn't have been doing. But you cleanse me. You wash me. You take me from death to life. So let's just humble ourselves tonight. If you need prayer, there's obviously more people that would love to pray with you. If you see someone with a tag on. I mean, just go up to him and say, I just, I'm carrying this burden. I don't want to carry it alone. We want to do this life together. But the best way to start is on our knees, humbling ourselves before God.
Would you guys stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for moments like this. I know, Jesus, that starting, uh, starting the year off, maybe in this tone, maybe in this seriousness, it could be hard. But, Lord, I'm praying for soft hearts. I'm praying for hearts like mine that just need a reminder. I'm praying for, for hearts like, like mine that just need the simple gospel uh, preached to me over and over. God, there's so many distractions and things that happen around us, so many burdens we're carrying and so many different weights that we're trying to, to balance. But God, I pray that, that just the, the truth of your grace, your mercy, your life, your death, your resurrection, God, just washes over us in these moments. God, I pray that, that we are a group of people that can just humble ourselves before you to give you all of us. And God, I'm praying for that one person praying for that one person that knows what I'm talking about when I say there is a hole inside of our hearts and we've been trying to fill it with other things. I'm praying, God, that they realize that that hole is designed for you to come in their life, for them to surrender their, their lives to you, for them to give their lives to you and start that relationship with you. I pray that it happens tonight. I'm expectantly praying, God, for that person right now to make a decision. God, as a group of people, as a group of young adults, I pray we run after you and we humble ourselves before you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's move, collective.